It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. All right. Hey, John, thanks for coming back and talking to me about Element 18, Return to Work. Glad to be here. Thank you. Um, we need to just preface this element a little bit before we start, uh, because I just wanted to say that uh, when we're talking about health and safety, we're primarily talking about prevention. Um, yes. However, with this element, it's unique in that it's one where we're discussing the reaction of what needs to happen in the event that an injury does take place, right? Correct. Um, so if the worker is not able to return to full duties the next day after an injury or an incident, then this is something that we need to make sure that we have all this kind of information in place so we know what kind of procedures to be following. All right, so we'll dive in. Uh, again, element 18, return to work. Does the organization have a written return to work and reemployment policy and procedure that is signed by the president, CEO, or local senior management? Yeah, both the return to work policy and procedure must be included in this. So mm -hmm. this is kind of a, a, du a dual question. There's two parts to it. Mm -hmm. So again, what's the policy and what's the procedure for return to work? The policy must be signed by the same person as in element one, uh, question 1.5 or 1.4, as mm -hmm. well as in element 19. Right. Okay, um, 18.2, does the organization have a written return to work and reemployment policy and procedure that clearly defines the goal of the return to work program? Again, the policy, this is a policy directly question, so does a policy must state the goal for return to work? Whatever that looks like, that's up for your company to determine. We, we want to include, you know, a policy could be, you know, we want to include people back to work as soon as possible and return to full duties. That could be something simple as the goal. Okay. Uh, 18.3, um, does it provide a framework for the organization and the worker to cooperate in developing the return to work and reemployment plans for the worker? Yeah, so the framework could be assigning responsibilities, the tools needed to have the employees to return back to work and back to full-time duties. So what does that look like? The framework means what are the, the what's the program look like to bring everybody back, mm -hmm. right? So what's required? What do we need, mm -hmm. right? Okay, uh, 18.4, do documented procedures address the employer's duty to accommodate? Uh, this procedure, the statement must be clear and state the employer's duty to accommodate that to the point of undue hardship, obviously, but it has to be clear and concise. And okay, and I think, you know, just to point out here that this is something that um, sometimes uh, companies will kind of... Um, Conf not confuse this, but they'll also kind of lump this in with something else like uh, their goal. Like our goal is to accommodate, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, or or not state, you know, the requirements of fully, you know, accommodating up to the point of undue hardship. So uh, the core handbook is very specific and it does show you an outline, you know, what the statement must say. And so, as you said, it just needs to be clear and it must state that the employer has that duty to accommodate up to the point of undue hardship. Correct. 18.5, do documented procedures provide a re-entry plan for the worker's eventual transition to full employment? Again, the procedure must outline how the workers will transition to full duty. So pre-injury. Mm -hmm. So what were they doing pre-injury? And then how are we going to get them back to that same work? Right. Okay. 18.6, do documented procedures address communication of the return to work uh, program responsibilities uh, to all involved parties? Again, so 
Again, return to work, work worker integration program. The procedure must define communication and responsibilities for all workplace parties who are involved in that process, back to work and worker reintegration. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, what, could it be simple as you know calling every day, calling every five days, sending a quick email, text message, even? Right? What what system do you have in place, and that best be documented in your procedure? Right. And I think one of the common problems that uh, I see with this question is that not all parties are included. Uh, in the procedures and then you know obviously the communication then isn't well defined yeah like no mention of hr or people actually performing those duties because it could be could be a privacy issue who knows right yeah i think that sometimes when your companies are creating their um, health and safety manual they have you know a pretty standard outline of you know who's responsible for certain health and safety uh duties like the uh, supervisor manager or pm or you know whatever it is and uh, sometimes they don't you know, they just kind of forget about HR, right? Because yeah. maybe, you know, HR isn't involved in doing inspections and whatever, right? Yeah. But sometimes it's an afterthought, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so this one, <clears throat> return to work is kind of a crossover where you need to make sure that whoever is doing those HR duties is also included in this procedure. Correct. Okay. Um, 18.7, do documented procedures address modification of duties based on job tasks and their specific physical demands? Again, this is, you know, this is a drood of like, we need a physical demands primarily if, you know, especially if they, you know, I broke my back, I'm not going back to lifting cases, right? Mm-hmm. So what are, what are my physical demands based on the tasks that I have and the tasks available, right? So mm-hmm. again, with all aspects, how their modified duties are based on my worker, uh, the worker restrictions. And that's where the document, uh, the doctor's forms come into play to help us as workers and employers to ha- address that, right? So, right. right. And to be clear with this question, uh, what we're looking for is an actual list of the company's tasks and then the physical demands that are associated with those tasks. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Last question. 18.8. Do documented procedures address WSIB correspondence? Yeah. So the procedure must address how you're communicating with the the WSIB, whether it's via email, letter, um, Zoom meeting, etc. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then list what's required in the correspondence. Like, wh- what are we talking about? Right, mm-hmm. like when are when is an organization required to communicate with the WSAB? Like, for example, um, if a worker, you know, isn't cooperating or not returning Correct. to work or their wages are changing. Exactly, like, like those that. are definitely things you need to communicate with the WSAB. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you um, have all those requirements listed. Correct. All right. Perfect. Did you uh, have anything else? Any other words of wisdoms on return to work? No, not at this time. Thank you for having me, Stacy. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, John. You've been very helpful. Thank you. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.